Hey guys, welcome back to the Thrive Ministries podcast called Slinging Stones. We've you probably didn't even remember what our voices sounded like. It's been a, about two weeks. Um, once again, schedules just won't line up. But my name's Andy Branham. Sitting right across the table from me is Luke Troll. Luke, how are we today? I'm not near as snotty as I was this time last week. I'm, I'm glad for that. My youngest daughter gave me for her birthday her summertime cold, and it stunk. But uh, I lived through it, you know. <laughs> You know, it, it, it was a typical man thing. I was convinced that I was on death's doorstep for about three days, and my wife was looking at me like, really, that this is it? Well, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, you know, we've we've had schedules not lining up. It's just been busy. It's been extremely busy, uh, but it's been a blessing. There's some, been an encouragement, been um, opportunities to grow, Um you know, we were sitting there talking, kind of catching up. Luke and I, we talk every day, but when we sit down across from each other, we get more of a chance to catch up, and, you know, we don't get a chance to mustard. We just catch up. It's a bromance. It's a bromance. So, you know, we sit here and we talk, and, you know, it's it's nice to be able to sit down, and, and it's, you know, like I said in our prayer before, it's almost like, you know, we sit down, and it's like, oh, well, we were just here, weren't we? That's Behind right. the microphones and all that. So... Really, really fun um, and really, really cool opportunity to continue to come back. Um, so I want to kind of kind of shout out a pretty cool milestone, I thought, um, per um, Anchor, who we upload through. That's that's the thing, but it goes to Spotify. Um, and, and, and I really think we need to get I need to get it put out on Apple podcast as well. But um Per anchor, we are over 200 listens. I thank all six of you. All six of you. And it may be just two people listening to it over and over again. Me and you listening to it <laughs> over and over again. We're stuck on somebody's repeat loop. Oh, that's right. Um, that or they press play and they put the earbuds down and they walk away. Or, you know, it could be cruel and unusual punishment. You know, that's true. They force that's you to true. listen to these guys. It's true. Admit it or you have to listen to Slinging Stones. Over and over and so, over. With the bright light on them, too. Hey, but look, I'll take it. So I'll take it. Hey, they are going to be biblically, biblically redneckified with a tan because of the bright light. Is that your word, red, redneckified? Redneckified. So, um, but guys, we just like uh, every time we're going to start with, uh, with prayer and then we're going to get started in verses uh, 2 through 5 of Romans chapter 2. So Luke, if you would, if you would lead us uh, and get us started with some prayer. Break it down like a salad, so let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the blessings that you give us. I thank you for this time that we have together, time that we, we mesh our minds and, and explore your word and just dive deeper into it. Father, I just I pray that your Holy Spirit comes down and just dwells with us right now, that we be hidden behind the cross, sheltered beneath your wings, Father, that the words that are spoken here are words of you, not of myself, not of Andy. Father, I, I pray and I lift up my brother Andy. Uh, I thank you for the work that he puts in, the time that he dedicates to this, Father. As we've already talked about, our schedules are busy, Father, but I'm just thankful that we 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 keep purple in our lives, Father, that we strive to put more of you and less of us in the things that we do. Father, I pray for our listeners. Um, 
wherever they may be, whenever they may be listening, Father, I pray that they just they they hear your word spoken and they, they know it's that it's your word. It's not us speaking, but it's us explaining how your word has impacted our lives, Father. And I pray for each person listening that they gain something from this and they glean something from this. All these things I ask in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So we are in chapter two. Uh, we we kind of started out verse one and got that finished up last week. Uh, so let's dive into verse two through five. So Romans two, verses two through five. And it says this. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, old man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them for do them yourself that you will escape the judgment of God or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance verse 5 finishes out uh, with but because of your hand and your impenitent heart you are not you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteousness righteous judgment will be revealed. So pretty pretty um pretty like uh harsh warning right there coming from Paul um talking about, you know, we we spoke last week kind of like this moralist type of deal. Um the ones who Oh, you can't do that, but they turn around and go do it themselves. Right. And, you know, that, you know, and it plays in so many different facets of where we sit and how we live as Christians and how we live in the four walls of church on Sunday and how we live outside the four walls. So we're all held to these different, to these standards. It's just depending on where you're living right now. You know, God's judgment will be, will be executed in perfect justice. You know, the word truth means means true as opposed to false it means what it really is what actually exists and what actually takes place god's judgment is perfectly just exact exactly what it should be nothing more nothing less his judgment is based upon what really happens what the facts are and what actually takes place and what a person really is within his heart and what the person actually did you, well, you're, you're, you're jumping out of your skin. Paul's over there. warning here is it's it, and it echoes what Jesus was talking about when he was telling people, look, you can't tell me about the piece of sawdust in my eyeball when you've got a whole log hanging out of yours. And, you know, another way to simplify, it, you know, to use your redneck and knees word, it's the pot calling the kettle black. You know, you find yourself caught up in pointing fingers at people and you think that your sins are hidden. Well, they may be hidden from the people that you're pointing fingers at, but they're never hidden from God. And God's judgment is going to pour down on the just and the unjust just alike. The Bible assures us of that, that God holds no man in esteem. Um, you know, the, the difference in what we do now and what's going to echo in eternity is what we've asked for forgiveness for. Well, and we, we look at, you know, talking about within his heart, a man's heart, you know, and in, and in verse uh, in First Samuel 16, uh, verse 7, we're looking at David when he's anointed, anointed oh, king. Yeah. 
Um, and it says right here, it says um, in verse 7 of chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, it said, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or in the height of a, stat- of a stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So we see Paul's writing, I mean, several hundred, if not a thousand years after this David anointing, and he's saying exactly the same thing. You know, we're seeing exactly kind of the same thing. And, it, you know, does, does you know, Paul know this Old Testament? Exactly, he does. But he's telling us that God does, you know, God, you know, it, it, you always hear these, you know, you always see these good works people. You know, great, you can do works, but is your heart right? You know, we can all be workers, but is your heart right? You know, if you're out, you know, working and trying to do good deeds, that's great and everything, but is the heart right? Well, those deeds aren't going to get you into heaven. Right. Those deeds aren't going to get you to salvation. You're going to be no more saved if you, you know, spend your life in the mission field and give every penny that you have and every moment that you have in the service to the Lord than if you were the trash taker out or the custodian of the church. Your works aren't going to get you there. And, you know, when you talk about the heart thing, and I'm glad you brought up David, because I was sitting here thinking about, you know, when Nathan confronted David, you know, he was, David was doing the same thing. You know, we should go find that man yeah. and we yeah. should deal with him until Nathan said, assuredly, I tell you, that man is you. You know, we all have that moment. We all have our you're moments right. yep. of whether you're David or are you Nathan. Your, your role in this life with that changes back and forth. Yeah. And that's what we got to be careful with when Paul's talking about the judgment of God. That's a judgment that is a whole lot more fierce than anything that can be rained down on you by a person. Yeah. Um, if you don't come clean with your fellow man, you've got to come clean with God. You've yeah. got to because God knows what you've done. He knows when you did it. He knows your intent behind it. And moreover, he knows, are you sorry because you got caught are you truly sorry that you did it? Are you truly repentant? Yeah. And you've got to have that repentance in your heart because God, it talks about him being long suffering. You know, you know, God, God will tolerate what we do. He'll tolerate the repetitiveness, repetitiveness of what we do, but he's not going to tolerate the lack of repentance for what we do. Well, you go back and look at the moralist that we were talking about last time uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, four points is, you know, the moralist thinks he's going to escape. You know, his offense is much greater for, you know, he's, you know, you know, he's he's like all the other men. He's sinful and, and just short of God's glory, which we all are. Yet he criticizes and judges those whose failures and discovers and, and are discovered and exposed. He, he, you know, he, and he thinks he's going to escape. Like I said, he forgets that God sees the inner recesses of a hu- of the human heart and that God will judge men, not only for their de- deeds, but for their thoughts. You know, and we're talking about lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes for the pride of life. And it, and it states that in, um, first John, if I can get back there quick enough. Do you know where it is? I do. I it's do. right before Second John. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. See, such a good help, people. 
you know, First John uh, 2, 15 and 16 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but from this world, from the world. And that's the one thing, you know, we, um, you know, I was, I was thinking, I, I was challenged over the last two weeks in my life, just, you know, where do we sit as men? Um, you see nobody safe and let's let's take this down to and and what i mean by nobody's safe with the desires of the eyes and the flesh and the lust so there is a popular popular pastor uh matt what is it he's a mega church pastor out in texas so this guy had a he, he's got it he's really really good i mean he's, he's impactful and you know it's funny you can see the ones that have like kind of tried to and I don't want to say they're emulating, but they're kind of like David Platt. They're awkward with their hands and the words they say. But he, he had a great YouTube video. And the YouTube video stated about men need to go to bed weary and tired, like beat down, tired. You know, work for God, work for the glory of the Lord all day. You know, come home, you want to serve you know, in your household, and, and he went through all this stuff. Men should be tired. You got to check on mama's heart. This was a big thing. And he said, a bored man's a dangerous man. Mm. Now, it's funny because he just stepped down for having illicit text with another woman than his wife. So you mean to tell me a man that had prepared to that prepared five years ago, six years ago, and spoke in front of a congregation of probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, being the online streaming stuff, and prepared this thing, you mean to tell me there was a chink in his armor? Yes, there is, because you know what? The moment you let your guard down is the moment the enemy can sneak in there and get you. And you know what the thing is? Is everybody's going to spend the next, you know, three weeks that it's a hot topic and blast this guy they're going to blast this guy in christianity but guys let me let me go ahead and remind you we are not perfect every single one of us are going to fail we're going to 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 suck at life we're going to have a fight with our wife we're going to look at the wrong thing we're going to have we are going to fail if the outside world, what's funny is the outside world says, oh, look, he's not perfect. Look at that. Christianity. Da, da, da. They are seeing religion. They're not seeing the relationship. And, you know, the bad thing is, is if they can point that out, they have bigger struggles because to me, they're looking for they're looking for the ember that's burning. They can throw diesel fuel on mm. to try to burn the rest of the building down. But the, here's the thing. If you're in a church, and, and, and I've got a point here, um, if you're in a church and you are, um, you are just, you've got people that are not, um, not living up to par, you know, having, ex, you know, you say a, a, somebody fell out with an extramarital affair, somebody looked at the wrong thing and they admitted in a Sunday school class, hey guys. I looked at a porn, a porn video. Let me tell you something. The moment, the moment, the moment you blast them and kick them out of that room and kick them out of that church, you are doing an absolutely, absolute disservice to God. You are not 
giving the opportunity for him to repent and him to go, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm a man. I fell. And, you know, to kick him out of saying, well, we're all perfect. You're not. Get out. That's exactly. You're setting a standard that, hey, everybody else in that room is perfect. Well, you're re-crucifying Christ at that point. We shouldn't crucify the person. We should crucify the sin. We should nail the sin to the cross Mm -hmm. and leave that between them and Jesus and try to help them through that sin. Because, you know, the moment that you do what you're talking about and, and, you know, you, you, you excommunicate someone or you start shaming them, um, you have you have embodied the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the keepers of the law. You have just brought them back to life and you have put their hand back in play. And it's just not that way. If you do that, you're nullifying the work on the cross. You're saying that I am better than the sacrifice that Jesus made. And if you're, you know, to, to use a play on your words, if you're looking for somebody that's living up to par, you're not going to find them. They don't exist. They're, they're a fictitious person. Because the Bible tells us that our best works are what? Filthy rags. That's our best. On your, and we've said it before in this podcast. Your best day, your most stellar day in life and as a Christian is of filthy, stinking rags in the eyes of the Lord. But that doesn't mean that you should stop. Mm. You should always push forward. On your worst day, you should push forward. On your best day, you should be thinking, what can I do? And that, that statement about we should go to bed weary and tired, I have gotten in the last, since we started doing the, where we pick someone in our ministry here at church, in our church, and pray for them, focus pray for them, I have found myself in my prayer life worried about what did I forget to pray for? Mm. Who did I forget to lift up? And I find myself when I'm praying at night, you know, getting ready, you know, all these things I ask, oh, wait, God, I'm sorry, I left somebody out. And I dive back into my prayer life, and my 10 minutes has turned into an hour or better. Mm. And I kid you not, that's every night. I find myself praying for an hour. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way. I'm saying that in a way of, I can't believe it's gotten to that. I love the fact that it's gotten to that, but I'm still not where I need to be. I'm still not that person who's quote unquote, got it all together. Well, it just doesn't happen. You know, and, and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't help that, you know, guys, I get that we all live a busy life. You know, trust me, I can tell you this right now. From each side of this table that's sitting there behind mics, we are about as busy as it can be. I mean, you, there are times and there are weeks and there are months when you sit there and you pass your wife, you pass your wife at the door. Hey, I'll see you later. That's right. And, you know, yeah. and sometimes it is just that. But, yeah. you know, ultimately, if you use the excuse of I'm too busy to pray, that's a horrible excuse because you're sitting there going, well, I don't have window time. I don't have any time and I'm not making time. And, you know, I, I heard a great statement today and it, it was funny because it made me think about it. But somebody I was talking to someone and someone goes, 
I need to pick up my Bible. And I stopped him. I said, and it just hit me. I said, no, we have to. We have to pick up our Bible. We have to stay connected with God. Because if we don't, we're just going to be like the, what we just spoke about and have a chink in our armor. The enemy's going to get us and we're going to fail. But let's get back on point. We, we sidetracked horribly there. Um, let's talk about this moralist a little bit, to, a little bit more. In, this, in, the, in, in the second point, this moralist thinks God is too good to punish. Now, this is when you get way above yourself. When he thinks of God, he thinks of the riches of God's goodness, his kindness and grace and love, God's forbearance, his refraining, holding back, abstaining, and controlling his justice, God's long-suffering, his suffering a long time, being patient and slow-judging sin. God, of course, is all this and much more. But what the moralist fails to see is that God's goodness is not a blank check for sin. That is where we lose track. Do not give license to sin. Do not condone sin, does not indulge in sin, and does not overlook sin. Everything we do that's in the open or in the closet is seen by God. Whether we like it or not, somehow we think we hide it. You know, God's goodness is to lead men to repentance, not to sin. The fact that God will forgive sin should stir men to seek forgiveness. And to please God, if a man goes out and sins thinking that God will just overlook and forgive his sin, he is despising God's goodness. He's taken God's goodness and making it a sham, a mockery, a joke, a thing of indulgence. The man who despises God's goodness, who sins thinking God will just overlook and forgive his sins, is wrong. He is mistaken. God does not overlook and just forgive his sin. He does not condone, indulge, nor give license to the sin. God will judge him, and the judgment will be according to truth. Guys, I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you this, but those who think that, you know, those, if you go to a church and you are, you know, taught, you know, nothing but, you know, butterflies and love and there's never any talk about wrath or God's judgment you may want to find another church because the Bible is full of it and we'll um, I think this may oh sorry I'm trying to set my Bible down so listen to this right here this is in 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that unrighteous, unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed Remember this, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. God's wrath is going to fall on those that are not washed. And if you're washed, you should be wanting to, to move forward into more being, being sanctified more, more, more. Every day being sanctified more than you were yesterday moving closer to God every day. You can't, unfortunately, you can, 
if you if you go and you get washed, if you go and you get baptized and you go and you accept Jesus, then you just go back to your old life where you really, truly baptized, where you really, truly saved. Did you really have the Holy Spirit come into you and make you want to be a different person than the sinful life you were living before? I think that, well, I don't think I know that it is possible to have a tremendous emotional encounter in a church. I had one when I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, I had an emotional encounter in church, and the tears fell, and words were spoken, and a prayer was uttered that did not reach beyond the ceiling and the ears of the pastor. Flash forward another 15 years, I had an encounter with Christ in the living room of my pastor, my pastor Nathan Thomas. Thank God for him and his daddy, Brother David, who I've spoken about many times in this podcast, presented the gospel to me. A man who, in all outward appearances, was walking with the hand in hand with the Lord, but I wasn't. I didn't even have one wing in the fire. Man, I was still roasting. I was in the I was in the pressure cooker getting cooked up, ready to go spend eternity in hell. <laughs> I mean, and and you know, thank I, I thank God literally that someone saw fit to share the gospel with someone who we assumed was saved in me. And I had my Christ encounter. Uh I thank God that David Thomas preached condemnation to me in the living room Yeah, because without condemnation, you cannot have salvation. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts cleanly on one side as it does the other. And you've got tons and tons and tons of very successful motivational speakers from behind the pulpit who refuse to preach condemnation. And, you know, and that's, that and this is where this is where a lot of this right here guys and and i hate to keep pointing this out these feel-good churches unfortunately that do not go and they they avoid scripture i'm not saying they're not preaching scripturally exactly. they, they just avoid scripture and they use palette board scripture that they can get a cool catchphrase from yeah. and stuff like that these are where these people right here that we're talking about come from the moralist you know let's look at point three the moralist thinks man is basically good. He thinks that now, now, now. Look, this comes from the thought process that you don't even you don't even even put a thought or even put weight on the thought that we are a fallen creation, that man's sin at Adam, we are not good. Oh, we're a bunch of turds. We are. <laughs> so, you know, he think of the moralist think that man can be good enough for God to accept. He thinks God looks for the good in man and that within each man is good enough for God to accept. The moralist thinks that God's goodness accepts man, his good works, his good thoughts, his good behavior, his good feelings, his good nature, and his good tendencies. God, of course, is pleased with whatever is good in man. That, that's not what we're saying. But, but what the moralist fails to see is that God's goodness is perfect. It cannot accept any imperfect work any ugly feelings, any foul thoughts, and any corruptible nature, any evil behavior, and any sinful urge. God can only accept perfection. No man is perfect, not in nature, thought, or behavior. Therefore, all men are unacceptable to God. 
That's where the blood of Christ comes in. No man is good enough to be acceptable to yeah. God, no matter how good he is. The goodness of God is to lead men to repentance, to turn men for to God for righteousness, not declare man's self-righteousness. We're, I mean, we're just, we're smack, I mean, smack, smack. Just, I mean, it's a box of matches. You know, if, if, if you go into church and your preacher doesn't have a two-pound hammer in his hand ready to bash your toes, yeah. and that two-pound hammer is in the form of the words between written between Genesis and Revelation, you're in the wrong place. Well, let's go back to exactly what was said earlier. The fact that God allows men to repent should stir men to confess their imperfection and their self-righteousness and to seek God's righteousness, which is in Jesus. It is absolutely, I mean, to, to know that we have, a, we have a God that, you know, you look at creation and you look at what we see every day. You look at the nature of the world. You look at the growth of the world. You know, you look at, you know, just looking at the world, knowing what we know, and science has proven that we did not evolve from apes, that if we evolved from apes, we should all be looking the exact same. Yeah, why are there still apes? Why are there still apes? Correct. So you've got all this stuff, and then all, you look at this creation and stuff, and you look at a God that does not just rain down wrath and just his might upon us, but gives us the opportunity to get in his good graces. Not by anything by by believing in him and accepting his, that his son is our Lord and Savior. But here's the thing, though. What other God, what other God that other people worship? I'm saying little g, other God, that people bring up, worship, put in a book, whatever. What other God actually sacrificed their own son to save the human race? Zero. Zero. And I got another one for you. When we're talking about our God, big G, and these little gods, little G, mm -hmm. another defining difference between them is all of the rest of them, Hinduism, Buddhism, yep. all the rest of these. And I'm just picking, I just, I just put out these two, but all the rest of them are works-based. Yep. Their salvation is works-based. Yep. Their salvation is something that they get and then they lose and then yeah, they get and then they exactly. lose and they get. And, you know, it's it's a destructive cycle of fear. Correct. There is no comfort that your God, little G, yeah. loves you unconditionally. Christianity, the following of Christ, is it. It's the end all be all with faith, love, mm -hmm. forgiveness, yeah. and absolute salvation. <clears throat> Exactly. It's the only one. It's set apart. It is the literally the only other religion, the only worship, the only the only form of salvation and forgiveness that offers absolution. That God loves you, even though you fouled up. God mm -hmm. loves you. There's still hope for you. If you fouled up today and die on the way home before you get a chance to pray. There will be some chastising, but God still loves you. Yeah. You're still his child. Well, it's it's like this. If you got a kid, I, I I thought about it like this, and it was and it, it was inspired by a TikTok video of all things. Um, I finally got my algorithms on TikTok to where I start seeing some Christian stuff, and there's some pretty good stuff out there. But it's like when you have a child, I'm speaking to parents now. When you when your child, when your child hits two, three, four years old, oh my goodness. 
there are times you want to throw them in a dumpster and start over, but you don't. And why don't you? Because you love that child unconditionally. That's your child. That is your flesh and blood. And when that child comes up to you with a dirty hand trying to hand you a cheese puff, that cheese puff is nasty and filthy, but it's the best that your child has to offer. Oh, they'll hand you a booger. I mean, that's the way God (laughs) looks at us. Yeah. We hand him the best that we have to offer, yeah. and it's still dirty. It's still it's still tainted because we're sinful beings. But yeah. he accepts our offering where we're at because he loves us just that much. Yeah. Well, let's go into um, let's look at point four. Um, so the moralist hardens his heart against the judgment of God. He he refuses to repent. He he. He just cannot accept the fact that God, the fact that he is not good enough for God to accept. And that God's goodness and love would ever condemn him. But note the term righteous judgment, which means just, fair, and impartial, correct, and exact. God's judgment is a judgment that should be, that should and will take place. In fact, God must judge. God must judge for God is love. As love, he must straighten out all of the injustices on earth. He must right the wrongs and correct all the injustices of men. He must judge men with a perfect and righteous judgment. Note also the term treasurist up, which means to store up, to heap up, to lay up. The man who hardens his heart and refuses to repent stores up more and more wrath up against himself in the day of judgment. The fact is already seen. Just think how terrible it is for a man to rebel against God's goodness. He has the glorious privilege of knowing God's goodness, of hearing his goodness, proclaimed day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year. Yet he despises God's goodness, refusing to repent and rejecting God's goodness time and time again. His his rejection is bound to store up wrath against himself. His judgment is bound to be greater than the judgment upon a person who has never had the privilege of hearing about the goodness of God. If, if, If you spend more time looking at the wrong of others than you do the wrong in your own life, something's missing. There's a disconnect. There's a big disconnect. There's a tremendous disconnect. Well, look at look at John three thirty six. I mean, I didn't have to say all that. I could have said this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains remains on him. Hey, look, that is a fruit that I don't want to pick. Yeah. The, the the fruit yeah. of wrath is yeah. it's there, and believe it or not, it's a low hanging fruit, man. It's easy to grab. And one thing that I do agree with is God's not going to condemn anyone. We're going to condemn ourselves. Well, you know, one of the biggest lies that I think, and and even gets in Christians' heads, I believe, um, we sit there when times aren't going our way, we somehow the enemy puts in our head, hey, you can make your day better. You can. 
not 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 God. You know, God doesn't make your day better. You make a phone call. You 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 um, you change a schedule on, on on a building project, or you change some numbers to make some financials look good in whatever job you are, and you make your day better. You and your wife, y'all can go out to drinks. It can make your day better. You know, oh, you can go out to drinks with buddies. It can make your day better. But let's let's see where it can't we we get this thought in our head that we don't need God. We don't need God. That God is just something we can go to whenever we want to. Whenever we kind of want to feel better about ourselves. Somehow we think that we're in control and we can make our day better by not solely, completely, and 100% trusting on God. Our day may seem better, but it's ultimately getting worse. Well, it's, it's, it's a falsehood that we fall into. Yes. It's a security blanket that that's all it is. Um, you know, it, it, it's like the, the kids. I was a firefighter, so there's some little statistics that I know. In a house fire where you have children that perish in the fire, 99% of the time they're found in a closet or under a bed. Mm. Because why? It's a false sense of security. Mm. When you find adults that have succumbed to the fire, 99% of the time they're piled up in front of the door. They were trying to get out but couldn't figure out how to unlock it in a panic. So that's what those things are. They're false senses of security and false avenues of escape. Yeah. If I want to look to my wife to help make my day better, it'll be because I'm wanting her to pray for me. Mm. If I look to my friends to try to help me through a day, it's because I know when I call you, Andy, and I talk to you about it, you're going to hit me with God's truth. And I know that when you tell me you're going to pray for me, you're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, but I mean, we, you know, if we take our situation, say we're having... Well, let's just pull this in. So say we're, we're, we're in the middle of a just, you can feel the tension in the air, just a knockdown family brawl out's about to happen. Mama ain't happy, you ain't happy, and you two about to go gnashing teeth. That's right. When, why would we never, why would we stop, and why wouldn't we stop and absolutely just go, hey, 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 Let's not fight about this. Let's let's pray real quick. Let's pray and then let's let's talk about this afterwards. Now I know there's situations that are severe, but if you were to sit down and pray over it and you know ask for God to come a part of this conversation you're about to have, ask for the Holy Spirit to take over. Now if you really screwed up, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to take your wife's hand and drop the knife. But right. you know <laughs> but if you sit there and you bring God, God a part of the conversation and God into the family unit, the household, where he should be, you can you, cooler heads are going to prevail because the fruit of the Spirit is going to come out. Now, I can tell you this right now. If you try to use that, if, if God's not in your household and you sit there and walk in and say, Honey, I've screwed up. You know, I wrecked the truck, leaving the bar. Um, I went and bought a new truck drunk and i wrecked that truck too and you don't have god in your household and you try to go hey let's pray about it you know what i get you got wrath coming up that's right (laughs) there's that low-hanging fruit there's that low-hanging fruit but guys i I can tell you this right now the way to bring god in in the midst of your life all the time is to put him in your life all the time and here's how you do it i'm going to bring you example of how it works 
Here's how it works. Can I'm going to give me about three minutes. It's all going to help. So Sunday, you wake up Sunday morning. You know, one of the things that I can't get is I get we all need to sleep in. We Sometimes we work night jobs. If church starts at 9, get up at 7. Have a good breakfast. Pray with your family. Pray for the day and for God to speak to you while you're in service for the day. Go to Sunday school. Don't bypass Sunday school. If your church doesn't have Sunday school, that's fine. Have Sunday school in your, at your breakfast table. Teach about Noah's Ark to your children. Go to church. Be present at church. Be attentive. Give the pastor and what he's telling you attention. Write notes. Some people don't, but store it up. Store it up to study. And once you leave, hold on, let me, let me, let me, let me go back. Tithe. Put your tithes in. Now, look, I can have a tithing talk because I'm not asking you for money. Tithe. Tithe. Leave church. Go out and eat lunch with your family. Go have fun. I love, man, oh, my goodness gracious. I'm going to do a really bad shameless plug right here, but, man, I have fallen in love with leaving church and going to Bertoloni's. That is some good starching it up right there. I told you so. Yeah. So, so you know, you go to you. Go, but here's the other thing. When, I'm not done. I told you I needed about three minutes, and I may need about five. But here's the thing: when you get to the restaurant to eat, it's not over. Pray over your food. Spend time. Don't go into these worldly conversations. Spend time talking with your family. Spending time with them. Go home after that, or go by the grocery store. Spend time. Go home. Maybe you take a nap. That's fine. You know, a lot of us could sit there and go, well, you know, Sunday night, I need to get ready for work. If there's a Bible study, a men's like we do, we go to a men's. We go to our, our local, our church's men's ministry on Sunday night, and it's a blessing. Now here's where the real work starts, guys. Here is exactly where it starts. You go to bed on Sunday night, set your alarm clock 30 minutes early than what you normally do. Wake up, spend 15 minutes praying to God. Spend 15 to 30 minutes, read you a piece of scripture, you know, flip the Bible open. God, I guarantee you, God's going God's to provide you the scripture that's going to speak to your day in your life. Read this scripture, take it with you into the shower or while you're getting dressed and just speak to God. Get in the truck with your cup, cup of coffee and speak to to God. God, show me what you need me to do today. Be my everything. Everywhere you are around me, the sun's rising. I mean, you are seeing God in action right there. You get to the job site or the office. Pray for your day. Go in. Hey, then you're going to get busy. You're going to be clicking on the computer or walking a job site or selling cars or whatever you do. Whatever you do. Here's a good way not to forget, and I mentioned it last week, and I've mentioned it before. Why are you not carrying your Bible everywhere you go? Put it on the lunch table next to you. Flip it open. Maybe it's the same scripture you had this morning. You want to look at it even more. God will, maybe you don't understand it. Keep reading it. God will provide an understanding to the scripture, to what he's telling you in the scriptures. Just read it. 
Lunch finishes, pray for the second half of the day. Getting in the truck, getting in the truck, the car on the way home. Pray to that. Pray for the night. And here I'm gonna I'm gonna cop I'm gonna copy a, a, another pastor. Men, you pull in that driveway. You've done worked hard. You pull in that driveway. You say a prayer to God of Hey, I'm gonna go in here and I want to serve my family, and I want to provide them a godly man that is the leader of the household, spiritual leader of the household. And that it can show your love. And you walk in the household and you serve your wife wherever you can serve. You don't compare what she's done to what you've done. You serve your wife. Then you sit down on the floor and you play with your kids. Or if your kids are older like mine, you sit and talk to them. You do a Bible study. You don't click on the TV and say, shut up, something's on. You know, American Idol's on, shut up. It doesn't matter what the TV has for you. Because the TV is ultimately going to lead your kids exactly where you don't want them. Into an alternative lifestyle, into something wrong. Tuck your kids in, pray over your kids. And then turn right around, walk into your bedroom, and check on your wife. You are the man. You are ultimately supposed to be the leader of the household. Guide your wife as the... As the, uh, the the pastor that I was that I was talking about, he said your wife should like well watered vines, and you're gonna go to bed exhausted, you're gonna go to bed tired, and you're gonna wake up and do it again. Then you're gonna wake up and do it again on Wednesday. The good thing about Wednesday, the fun thing about Wednesday is you get to go to church Wednesday night. That's right. You get you get a reaction there, and then Thursday, and then Friday, and then Saturday. But guys, I can ultimately tell you this right now: if you continually put your hundred percent trust fall leaning and and just absolute into god it is going to bless you and you will never wear out well you won't have time to do what paul's talking about in the scripture here you won't have time to be studying how others are falling short correct you are breathing the breath of life into your family into your work family because when you go to work these people that you work with they're your family too you spend as much, if not more, time with them than you do the family that you go home to. So why would you not want to breathe breathe life into them, speak life into them, pray life into them? Because God is life. God is the only life. Without, you know, life apart from God is dead. And dead is dead. I mean, there's dead, and then there's dead. And if you have life apart from God, you're dead. You just don't know it yet. Your body ain't caught up with you. Your body ain't caught up with the decay and 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 all the foulness that comes with death um so so you know the the breathing life the speaking life into everything that you do is a no-brainer yeah paul spoke of it paul said pray continually Mm -hmm. pray without Without ceasing ceasing, there is no excuse not to pray you can be in prayer you can be in silent prayer Every moment that you're awake, and you can do that through your actions. Prayer, we've talked about our prayer life before, and prayer is is confused. People confuse prayer with reverence. There's a time for reverent prayer to go in your prayer closet, to close your eyes, to bow your head, to, to well, just get that, down That's deep exactly, that's what's cool about that movie War Room. Have you ever seen that movie? No. So this lady has a war room, and she calls it a war room, and it's the prayer war room. She's got prayers on the wall and scriptures, and it's, you know, sometimes we need that. But 
I, you know, Luke, it's funny you, you, you pray without ceasing and we're talking about where men need to stand. And I'm just looking at your shirt because I, I, that shirt means a lot to me because Mm -hmm. it's the mall shirt that, that we had for our wild game dinner a couple of years ago. And it, it states on the front of the chest where your heart's at and it says, be that guy. And what, what it means by being that guy is Christians and, and, and Christian men that have a relationship with God and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a, a deep relationship, are not going to be a part of the crowd. They're going to stand out and be peculiar. They're not going to be what you think they are. They're supposed to be set apart. Set apart. And what I love is the scripture that it's on there because it means a lot to me. Probably one of my favorite scriptures of all time because 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27 teaches you how you should be and how you should be as a Christian. And it says right here, do you not do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We have to run the race. We have to train differently. We have to train it, the narrow path. The narrow gate is difficult. You have to train yourself to avoid wrath. Correct. And that's ultimately what we tend to think that, ah, oh, well, you know, just going just gonna to screw up now and come back to it. Guys, if, if the world... If we renamed every day to Sunday, if we renamed every day to Sunday, would Christians look different? Would Christianity look different? I think the only way that that would happen is if people started buying in to what we're trying to sell to other people. Well, here's ultimately what's going to happen. If we don't start seeing every day as Sunday, as, as we see it, we've got this, you know, cultural moniker in our, or, or cultural thought in our head that Sunday is church day. If we don't start seeing, let's just take Sunday as church day, and I say that with air quotes. If we don't start seeing every day as Sunday, every day we need to be with God and into God's word and pray to God and all this, all this stuff, we need to be devoted if we don't start seeing every day a Sunday, there is going to be a ton of people that grace their booties in, in seats in churches across America that's going to fill the fiery hot pits of hell. If you come into church and Sunday is the only day that you church, all you're doing is stanking up the place. Well, I mean, that's all you're doing is you're bringing your stank well, in, if, trying to get it washed off. It, you've got you've got to be into the word. You've got to be, you know, you know, we're, we're called to be a different set. Um, but, guys, I know we, we kind of beat the brow of, you know, but this is serious stuff. This is where Romans, I mean, like we said, meat and potatoes when we get off into chapter two, but it continues to grow from here. Romans is a very tough book. Um, who was I talking about? 
Somebody was talking to me on the phone. They said, ah, you'll be done in what, a year and a half? I said, well, at this pace, we're going to be done in about 10 years. Yeah, well, we uh, might be done with Chapter 2 in a year and a half. But, guys, I'm telling you, it, it you know, the more I look and the more that the, 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 I read the commentaries and scriptures, you know, expounded upon and all this, it, it's, it, it, so much more, I mean, it, it stubs my toes and punches me in the face and it convicts me. And, it, and if it is, then guess what? We're learning. We're, we're doing exactly what we need to. Well, it makes me even more hungry for it. It, it makes me, yeah, there you go. that's what it, I was looking it, for. It yeah. makes me thirst for what am I missing? Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand, you know, the things that I've learned, but that's cool. I want to know what I've missed. Yeah. I want to know what other people have gleaned from it. Because, you know, hearing the things that you've gleaned from it, it's awesome when I see that we've we've seen the same things, that God has led us in the same direction. But it's even more awe-inspiring to see what God showed you versus what he showed me. Because, you know, they're, they're not untrue. It's just what God has shown you. And the more you dig into this word, the more, the deeper you dive into this word, the more you dissect it, the more you, the more you break it down, the more you do glean, mm. you know, the, the fuller your, your grain sack of knowledge in the word becomes. And, you know, when, when you see somebody coming to a potluck, you know, when I love looking at the parking lot on potluck, because there's a couple of two or three people and I'm not going to call any names. But I look forward to what they bring to the what they bring to the table, and you can be that way spiritually when you come to a men's group, like it's it's a spiritual potluck, because God has given each one of these men something different, and do you want to be the guy that people look at and subconscious or consciously thinking in the back of their mind, he never brings a whole lot. Yeah. Or do you want to be the guy that people look at and say, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. It's always something juicy and good. So with that in mind, this podcast would be incomplete and we couldn't call it Christ-based if we didn't tell you how to find Jesus. So it's simple. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, how do I meet this Jesus feller? Well, you've taken the first step by wanting to meet him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you want to make him Lord of your life. It's just as simple as this, knowing that Jesus is the son of the one true living God. He came to this earth and lived it as a man for a little over 30 years, was crucified on the cross for your sins, and then was resurrected on the third day to beat all of sin, death, and hell. He snatched the keys of death from the grips of Satan and brought it back so we can have life eternal. It's just that simple that you believe those things, and you start studying this Word. You start diving into this Word, and you start trying to live for Christ. You got to know that you're going to fail. You got to know that you're going to fall. But you live as the example of David and you dust yourself off. You live as the example of Christ and you get up out of that grave. When God calls you out of the grave, he never meant for you to set up a mailbox in death. You're going to live forever. So, guys, I, I appreciate you listening. If there's anything we can do for you, reach out to myself, reach out to Andy. Shoot us an email. Uh, Andy's going to give you the email. And uh, guys, I tell you what, I, I, I just I can't thank you enough. 
Um, Andy, do you want to give them our information, our contact info here? Yeah. So if you want to, um, if you want to contact us for speaking engagements or just um, to just have a conversation, you can reach out to Thrive Evangelistic Ministry at gmail.com or the Facebook page, Thrive Evangelistic Ministry. You can touch base with us. We'd be more than happy to love to, you know, talk about your men's ministry, talk about the ministry you're involved with. Um, come sit down and kind of maybe help you out with, you know, just plans of curriculum or kind of just, you know, thought process on, you know, you know, doing an event or something like that. But uh, we would love to talk. And, you know, if you have a group of men or just people that you want us to speak and and, and speak to, we would love to. Uh, you know, we could iron out the details details after that. But, um, yeah, that's it. So, uh, Luke, if, if you want to, if you'll pray us out, we will um, – we will finish it out. All right. Well, before we do that, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Coach James Lee. He's the head coach and athletic director at Cornerstone Christian School here in Columbiana. Um, I know that he is a, a good Christian man, but he's going through a lot. He's got a lot on his plate. I know his mother is gravely ill with cancer. Uh, I've been lifting her up regularly with prayer. Um, and his mother-in-law is ill as well, and he's got a lot on his plate. I mean, he really does, but he's still at work every day. He still pours into these kids. Um, his hands are in all the athletics because, again, he is the AD there, and it's just a real pleasure to to work around him. I've, I've spoken to the boys before a football game here a couple of weeks ago, and I know that he's making a tremendous impact on our youngest son, Jadon, um, just being uh, a leader both on and off the field, he makes himself available to the kids to, to counsel them, to, to talk to them. But as we know, your leaders need prayer too. Your leaders need to be lifted up. They need to be bathed in prayer. So uh, if you can tonight when you say your prayers and for the next few days, remember Coach Lee and all the, all the athletic staff there at Cornerstone. So with that, I'm going to pray us out. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time we've had here together. I thank you for the words that were spoken here. I thank you for the inspired word that has inspired us to do what we do, Father, to to push forward, to try to prosper and, and promote the gospel and push it forward. Father, we know that your word tells us that these words spoken will never come back void. So I pray that the people who have been listening to this, I pray that some lives were touched. I pray that that uh, the the words that were spoken were true words of you, that we were, we were hidden behind your cross, sheltered beneath your wings, Father, that people didn't hear, hear Andy, they didn't hear Luke, that they heard the words of Christ. Father, I pray that if someone here listening to this, Father, that if they don't know you, that today is the day that they come to know you. Today is the day that this word pierces their heart, Father, and transforms them and changes them forever. I pray that we are the men that we are called to be, that we take a stand when we need to take a stand, but we do it with all the gentleness and meekness that you've encouraged us to do. Father, keep guiding and direct us until we come back again. All these things we ask in your son's holy name. Amen. Guys, I hope you all have a great week and thrive on.